0: From
1: beyond the Beltway, this is Bruce Dumont with our weekly analysis of national politics with occasional injections of in and innuendo, call, open up fire panel of political insiders, pundits, power brokers, public servants, professors, and most importantly, plain-speaking Americans from coast to coast. Tonight featuring commentary by Republican attorney Judith Sherwin, Democrat attorney Coco Sudek, Alicia Cisneros. A Democratic strategist joins us from Alexandria, Virginia. And Illinois conservative leader Jeannie Ives will be joining us as well. We're coming to you from our home base at AM 560, uh, The Answer, uh, just in beautiful Elk Grove Village, Illinois. Nice to have you with us just outside Chicago. Phone lines open 1-800-723-8289. 1-800-723-8289. And yes, we will be talking about abortion this evening, as we have probably for... Probably well over maybe 150 times in the 40 plus years we've been on the air. But again, obviously, the big story last week there was a leak suggesting uh, that uh, Justice Alito has come up with an opinion uh, that will overturn Roe v. Wade. <coughs> and uh, we have two guests this evening in studio. In the first hour, we're going to be talking about sort of the ramifications on society uh, regarding uh, regarding of how this ultimately comes down and in the second hour we're going to talk about some of the elective politics because it's i think it has the opportunity to really disrupt politics not only this year but for many years so uh, koto koko sudek joins us uh, she joins us uh, via uh, uh, zoom and judith sherwin joins me in studio here in Elk Grove village uh but ladies welcome to the program uh, happy mother's day to you all My question to you is, when you look at the ramifications of this verdict, if the if the decision comes down as is reported, what, in your view, is the significant long term effect on the country? And I'm going to begin with you, Coco.
2: Uh, Thank you, Bruce. Um, We actually know what happens when you ban abortion or when you make abortions inaccessible. And what's going to happen in the United States is no different than what happened in Romania or what's happened in what, we, what has been studied throughout history. What happens is women who seek abortions and can't get them fall into poverty. And they wind up on public assistance. Mm-hmm. And the children that they're forced to bear um, oftentimes, like in Romania, wind up in orphanages. Mm-hmm. And um, so also subject to public assistance. If they don't carry to term, then they seek abortions that are unsafe or they try and abort the, the fetus themselves mm-hmm. and they die or they get very sick and they put a burden on the healthcare system. Okay. Um, the Libby. thing is, this has real repercussions for the country okay. and for people in general, and not enough people are talking about this. Okay, and I, we're are going to we're going to we're going to completely
1: normal, normal. I, I want to talk I want I want to talk about it tonight, but again, we're going to go back and forth. I want to give everybody an equal time okay. on this. Judith, my same question to you: what What is the big ramification down the road if it comes out just as it's been reported this past week?
3: Well, I think the the biggest ramification is this will no longer be viewed as a constitutional right, it'll be viewed as a right which the states will either uh, allow for their citizens or not allow for their citizens. Excuse me. (coughs) I'm sorry. And and there will be legislation which will make abortion safe, legal, (coughs) and available. Excuse me. I'm having a
1: here, have some water. I want to go to Coco and let her respond to that. Coco, I know you've got, you've got water as well. Uh, just to pick up on some points that, uh, that Judith just mentioned.
2: Well, I want to talk about the the, the, would be the statement she just said, which is sure. there are rights and the states will decide whether they allow them. That's the point of a right. The government doesn't get to decide if we have rights and then we get to use them. We have rights and they're rights that should be free from government intervention. The government has no business in making decisions for women's reproductive choices other than to make sure that physicians and and other healthcare practitioners are available to assist in those healthcare in those reproductive decisions.
1: And to to those that would argue, you you brought up uh, you know Romania and and the way in which it uh, it, it manifested itself uh, in in Romania, but in the United States, if if abortion continues to be illegal in many states, maybe a majority of states, and and legal at least defined by that state law in other states uh it it doesn't completely rob a woman of having an abortion it may be a little more inconvenient for her that she would have to go to another state but where do you come down on people that argue that that particular point
2: um i mean i think that's i think that's uh, a gross a gross simplification even in areas where abortion is freely accessible. Mm-hmm. women particularly women of low income, younger women, um, women with limited resources, have difficulty actually getting access to an abortion. As a result, the you know sort of abortions that occur it, during the end of the first trimester, beginning of the second trimester are largely those women who needed to raise the money, Uh, FOR THE ABORTION CARE Mm -hmm. OR discover THAT THEY WERE PREGNANT TO BEGIN WITH. SO Mm -hmm. THE FACT THAT THERE MIGHT BE ABORTIONS SOMEWHERE DOESN'T MEAN THAT PEOPLE ARE GOING TO GET THEM. BUT IN ANY EVENT, INCONVENIENCE IS REALLY SOMETHING THAT A PERSON WITH MEANS CAN DEAL WITH. PEOPLE WITHOUT MEANS, PEOPLE Mm -hmm. WHO HAVE TO, WHO ARE STRUGGLING AND LIVING ON THE LINE, THEY'RE they're NOT GOING TO HAVE THE ABILITY TO GO TO A DIFFERENT STATE AND GET ABORTION CARE. THEY'RE GOING TO DO IT THEMSELVES. THEY'RE GOING TO GET IT UNSAFE unsafely uh, or they're going to carry a fetus to term and maybe not in a way that is the most healthy for that fetus.
1: Uh, Judith is back with us. Let's right. see if her voice comes back with
3: her. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry about that. Um, I think that what you're going to see, and we've already seen some evidence of it in California, is a cottage industry uh, of, of not-for-profit organizations that are going to be formed all over the country uh, for women who have uh, access problems, who have financial problems, who need abortions, and, and I think that in, in very many ways, they're going to step into what people are seeing as a breach because there will be certain states where it will be allowed, and there will be certain states where it's not allowed. I mean, there is nothing in Justice Alito's opinion, uh, which I read, I assume Coco's read it too, There's nothing that I see that makes abortion illegal. What it does is it says Roe was wrongly decided. There's nothing in the Constitution or in our ordered liberty that supports this. And it is something that should be put back with the states. There were 30 states at the time that were already moving to the legalization of abortion. Let the states make these decisions. That's that's what our system is about with the two levels of, of government. And it seems to okay. me this is more a police power issue than it is a federal constitutional
1: Okay, Coco, uh, respond.
3: <clears throat> um, this isn't a highway appropriation. This <clears throat> isn't about
2: deciding what we're going to name a post office. This is about human beings. This is about women, whether women are full people with the ability to control the frame, their their body, or not and that's not something that ought to be put to a legislative body it's a right just like the right uh to ha- to seek contraceptives <clears throat> or the right to marry a person of the same sex it's a right that comes out of our constitution and and comes out and it ought to be available and and, and should be available to people just because they're yep. people
1: all right we've but got to I don't we got, we got we've got we've got a pause. bunch of we've got a uh, break i'll be people
2: back elected time. should decide whether you get
9: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's 7 members of my 21 person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or uh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
9: 145 over 92. 180
10: over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your
11: blood pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of
12: people don't understand. Including myself. I didn't. Now I do. uh, The impact of having a stroke.
7: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
11: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
12: but I'm going to make it better. Coming back, ask your doctor
11: check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
1: We're <clears> my <throat> back with Coco Sudik and Judith Sherwin. We're talking about uh, the Supreme Court the decision to be uh, coming up uh, in uh, at the end of June, perhaps. Um I'm going to take just a moment off here, and I, I, and I don't want to be too divergent with this discussion, but I know there are many people, Judith Sherwin, you are one, uh, you are really exercised about the leak and the precedent this has for uh, conduct of the Supreme Court and just the camaraderie of the court. Yes. Share your thoughts on that as, a, as an attorney.
3: Well, as an attorney, I find it absolutely abhorrent that somebody leaked uh, this opinion. First of all, this is not necessarily the opinion of the court this is a draft from February it is it is I'm sure it made its way around the court it circulates there'll be people who will sign on to part of it there are people who won't sign on to part of it there this may be a plurality decision there may be a whole bunch of things that happen with this opinion so to leak it like this there's I mean it's reprehensible and if it's a lawyer the lawyer should be disbarred because the first thing they tell them when they when they hit their first day at the court, the chief gets in front of them and tells them, if you ever leak anything out of this court, that is the end of your legal career. And I'll tell you, if it if it isn't the end of this person's legal career, then our country is in serious
1: trouble. Uh, Coco, <clears throat> uh, speak, if you will, to uh the significance of the leak. Obviously, Judith feels very strongly about it. Are you exercised as much as she is?
2: No, not at all. So I think this whole thing is so preposterous. This clutching all p- our pearls about this leak, why the justices think they deserve a right to privacy when the rest of us apparently don't is ludicrous. I think it's unprofessional, elitist, and pompous to think that they're entitled to shield their debates from public view, we're a republic and a democracy, and all of these debates should be uh, exposed to the public so that we can watch and weigh in uh, and debate and comment. And I think that the think, idea that the justice of doing I mean, in this high tower it's is It's not a high tower, it's not no your problem. place.
3: It is not your place to read a Supreme Court opinion before it comes down. There, you can I'm listen, excuse me, an American. American you're an American, you can like, listen, you can listen, you know, can One time, one time, stop One
1: time, right. Judith, Judith, then we're going to go back to you, Coco. You know, we have,
3: as Americans, and this is really a recent development, we can listen to the deliberations of the Supreme Court. You can hear what the issues are. You can hear what they're thinking about. That's what the oral arguments being online is all about. Writing the opinion is something that goes on in-house. It's between the nine justices, including the nine justices who, uh, the number of the nine who may be dissenting. And we don't know if it's three or four at this point, quite frankly. But it is absolutely, excuse me. Let her finish. You're right. It is absolutely not our place. It's not your place. It's not anybody's place. To put this opinion out there for the sole purpose of whipping up this nonsense that's going to go on and the violence of, of walking in front of the justices houses and trying to make them change their mind. Okay. That is un-American.
1: All right, let, me, let, me ask, let me ask, just on that particular po- uh, point, Coco, obviously uh, the marching on some justices' houses, conservative justice <laughs> houses, is also yet another issue that's come up in the wake of this. Um, you're a political activist. How do you feel about uh, the homes of uh, Supreme Court justices being, uh, uh, being rallied around uh, in an attempt to uh, uh, sway the vote?
2: Um, the guy's got a lifetime appointment. Um, he sits in a great position of privilege. I feel less bad about him than I do about a woman with an ectopic et- pregnancy who might die because she can't get an abortion. I feel much more about uh, a, a, a woman who is forced to carry somebody to ter- a fetus to term when it will be completely disruptive to their life. I, but if there's I, an ability, if there's sir, your an your ability figure, to do it. That's part of the deal. No, yeah, but, but, no,
1: no. It, no. Something, okay. okay, go ahead. Okay. You, do, you know,
3: first of all, an ectopic pregnancy is a medical condition under which a woman can get an abortion almost anywhere, number one. The not, fact that the baby, that. excuse me. Let her
1: finish. The fact one that the time. baby
3: may be an inconvenience in your life who are you to make that yes. choice about another life that you are carrying? We are sitting here on Mother's Day. That is about the most abhorrent thing I have ever heard anybody say.
2: I need to t- I need to comment on that.
1: Go ahead.
3: So first of all, over 30 million women have had
2: abortions for a variety of reasons. Women are not, uh, you're putting a woman up against a fetus and imagining that this fetus is going to grow into a human being which you don't know the woman has custody over her body and if it is inconvenient, also has custody over the the woman's choice to terminate that pregnancy no, and bad. that's it. Let and the hit. thing is, abortion mm. is it's even under normal. It is no.
1: not. But me, but let me let me let me a... let me no, let me. I want I, I want a- b- 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 to. B- w- one second. All, oh, hold, stop. It. Right. hold it. Hold it. I want to interject here, and then we're going to go back again. Okay. I want everybody to get a chance, but I want to be able to do it one at a time, and I want to okay. make it as conversational as we possibly can, as opposed to uh, you know a, just an ongoing you know lecture. But my question is. Those people that are listening or watching this program this evening, women who are watching this program, um, if you've had an abortion and you'd be willing to share your thoughts, I'd like to know what they are. And also, I guess I would ask the question if you are a man who was involved in making <laughs> that decision for the woman you impregnated, how did that change your life? Tell us about the thought process that goes in because Coco has made a uh, you know a very strong case that there's a lot of women out there who are in need of an abortion and they don't have the the means to carry out the abortion Now again I I, I'll come back later and challenge on that particular point uh, given uh, the the amount of money that is spent on this particular issue but uh, I, I just wanted to interject if you're out there and you, you don't have to give your real name. Again, we're hoping that everybody would share their thoughts in an open and candid way, and we can get uh, some women uh, who really have had this first-person experience. All right, it was, it was, I think, Judith's turn, and then back to Coco.
3: Um, well, yeah. If you forgot, I, a, we'll go to Coco. I, I, I think what I was starting to say is that the woman has custody, if you will, of the of the human being that is growing within her. Even Roe does not and did not and never did give a woman an unfettered right to an abortion at any point in the pregnancy. About the only thing about Roe that sort of made sense in terms of the medical situation at that time was the three trimesters because it it really sets up a standard of viability. We now know that viability happens in many cases a lot earlier. So there's been advances in science. People are able to look at the baby. This is this is a completely bizarre idea that just because it's inconvenient, you're gonna get rid of the baby. Okay, I'm gonna go to Coco.
1: Coco, back to you, it's your turn. You're up.
2: I don't think it's terrible, and I also think it's pretty common. Lots and lots millions and millions of women, six hundred and thirty thousand pe- women a year find their pregnancy in some way inconvenient, and they dispose of it because a fetus is not a baby. A fetus is a fetus. Doesn't feel pain till twenty-four weeks. Can't survive outside the womb without outside the womb, and is and is purely another body part of a woman. And the thing is people don't talk about it but there are all kinds of women at ever on every part of the spectrum who have in some way at one point or another have found this to be true and have disposed of their pregnancy because it is inconvenient and now we are telling women that they are not smart enough or strong enough or human enough to make these decisions and instead the fetus that they're carrying has more rights than they do. But as let, many, many rights. And I find it, by the way, morally <clears throat> offensive that we would... Put I find living this morally offensive. In a position of being superior to the cells. Cell, cell. growing just in was, their body. Hold
1: it. Okay. Uh, Coco, stand by. Judith.
3: All right. All right. I find it absolutely morally offensive that a woman would abort... A pregnancy because it's inconvenient. But that's I mean, what happens. excuse me. No, Let her finish. That doesn't make it morally right. It makes it morally offensive. All right? And this is a problem in this country. I am not the only person in this country. And quite frankly, I believe in the right of a woman to choose for a variety of reasons. Inconvenient is not one of them. All right. And I agree with what Bill Clinton said many years ago, and even what Hillary Clinton said, abortion should be safe, it should be legal, and it should be available, all right, for people who need it. Inconvenience is not a reason, all right? Medical problems. Inconvenience. Excuse me. Inconvenience Incon- does a lot of work me. here.
2: Inconvenience means uh, means, Inconvenience um, means financially no. Im- unfeasible. It means dangerous to their body. It means just at the wrong if time in their life. And women if make dangerous. this choice. And they have to be able to make this choice. Or if else we are asking women well, to go back to being third and fourth no, class citizens. No, we're not. Citizens. We so have to pause.
1: Ladies, 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 ladies. Back to your corners. And when you come back, we will continue the conversation. And again, I'm trying to have one person at a time. I want to treat everybody fairly. But again, if everybody's talking out there in Radio Land, nobody can hear what you have to say. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us on this special Mother's Day edition of
7: Beyond the Beltway. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
8: This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless, and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces just by giving her a bear hug. She masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom.
4: Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources, at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
5: No word in English language is less convincing than probably.
1: Mr. Mont, back uh, on mother's day thanks very much for joining us this evening uh we'll continue our discussion in just a moment with our guests coco sudek and judith sherwin and also take some telephone calls as well and uh, at this point i want each guest without interrupting the other to give me a good 20 second biographical background on yourself we'll begin with coco coco
2: hi i'm coco sudek i'm a business lawyer i help people make things and money
1: okay that's short and pithy uh judith sherwin
3: Hi, my name is Judith Sherwin I am also a business lawyer but I'm also a professor at Loyola University in Chicago where I teach uh, ethics and uh, constitutional law occasionally um, and the thesis project for my
13: okay. students
1: very good. Uh, one point that Coco you made uh, very <laughs> early in your uh, discussion this evening is that uh, women of color and, and women of m- minimal means are going to have a very difficult time operating in a new world as defined by this supreme court decision and the fact of just going from one state to the other that there's a lot more that goes into that um speak to a point that um uh, if if money is not the answer and and I think you would agree that within certainly your side of the argument in fact on both sides of the argument there's never been a problem about raising money Ever That's never been a problem. It's been one of the biggest fundraising, uh, you know, uh, I, want to, say, I don't want to say gimmicks, but they're used by both parties for 40 years now. So my question to you is, if all this happens, uh, the Supreme Court decision comes down, it goes back to the states. Let, let's assume for the, the sake of that uh, there's not going to be a, a federal legislation because the Democrats don't have the votes and maybe the Republicans don't even want it up for a vote either. They like the idea of leaving it to the states and let the, letting the states decide. There's going to be a long period of time as each individual state responds to this. Now, there's a number of states that have trigger laws that uh, you know, instantly things will, uh, will happen uh, if, if Roe v. Wade was ever uh, struck down. But my question is, there's going to be a lot of time to raise a lot of money to be available for women wherever they're, if they're living in a state where they can't have an abortion. There's going to be all kinds of, of incentives that are going to be out there or opportunities out there to get money to go to a state. In fact, there are some states, some, some might even argue Illinois, I mean, there are some states that will be abortion tourism states, Absolutely. And, abor- and Illinois could be one. California could be another. So my question is, I, I, I wonder how I understand the, the difficulty of being poor and having this decision to make, but I'm not so sure that the inability to find money to get an abortion uh, really holds much water. Tell me where I'm wrong.
2: Well, I think there's a giant difference between having money available and making it, having money in a pool and making it available to people who need it. Plus money isn't really the only concern, you know, you know, the vast bulk of women who have abortions are already have kids. Right. Which means they already have obligations at home and it's difficult or almost or impossible to get away from those obligations long enough to seek care uh they also have probably jobs that they can't get away from and in some cases they might be in abusive situations should there be a fan... be should there be should there
1: be an abortion money? leave no, is not the only no, issue. But no but I'm I'm picking on these other things should there be an abortion leave if someone wants to have an abortion should there be child care for gonna... someone well i, I mean, i'm yeah, just of course thinking there should I'm... be
2: health care leave but that's boy we're we that's a whole nother debate
4: about oh oh I know that. that. all add. right but but i'm just i'm just reacting and also, uh, just, uh, one second, yeah. mm-hmm. I'm just
1: reacting to, to your major point about that uh, there, mon- there may not be money there to, to help women have an abortion, and I'm just suggesting that I don't think there's going to be ever any p- lack of money on either side or to make abortion uh, either legal or illegal. Uh, I, and, I think that's, but, but you I were, think that's unrealistic, okay. I, I think okay. that's unrealistic, right. okay, an unrealistic good. idea okay. of how things it's work. Judy, okay. It's Judy's turn now. Go, Thank Judy.
3: Thank you. Um, I, I really believe that should this decision come down, in generally in the fashion that it's going to come down, mm-hmm. and the court says kick it back to the states, in the places where abortion is not available, and not, if, everywhere in the country, there are going to be organizations formed before you can bat an eyelash that are going to provide the money that are going to provide the child care that are going to lobby for medical leave we get medical leave now for other things why do you have to tell your employer hello boss I need I need three days off on my sick leave because I need to go somewhere and have a procedure go ahead that's it and and if if there's a need for child care there will be resources available for people because people feel very strongly, as you can tell from talking to Coco, that this should be available. And quite frankly, I believe it should be available for people who really need it as well. So there will be resources so that women can go from state to state and can get this kind of help. And, and it's, you know I don't want to call it abortion tourism because it's a more serious thing than that. But that, that may actually happen. And people will be able to get abortions just like they get them now. Okay? okay. And well, and the question, nobody is saying that abortion nobody is saying on a federal level that abortion is illegal. What what the court is saying is that this is a matter that the states were well on their way to solving. Let the states solve it.
1: By the way, let me mention again, in the second hour of this evening, we're going to be talking about the nuts and bolts of politics and and, and elections pertaining to this issue in the future. So we'll get into issues such as would something like this ever pass the U.S. uh, Congress, either with Republicans or Democrats. Uh, And again, you've got uh, uh, both leadership positions in the Senate uh, talking about uh, that there's a possibility that, that there may be a real vote on this at some point. I, I asked for someone uh, who had been raped, if they'd be willing to call up and share their thoughts. I understand that Jean joins us uh, from Austin, Texas. Uh, Jean, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Hi. Can you hear me? I can hear you, and I want you to uh, b- briefly tell your story of your situation in- involving abortion.
6: Well, I am... Um... I was 11 years old when I was raped by my biological father. And um, I did not get pregnant, but I could have gotten pregnant. It was severe sexual abuse. And I know that Judy is saying, you know, that they're not saying you can't have an abortion. The Supreme Court justices, who lied during their uh, confirmation hearing, as far as I'm concerned. Um, But you know what? To say, oh, they're they're just going to kick it back to the states. Well, I live in Texas. We know what Governor Abbott has been doing, uh, you know, just any little law a city wants to do to to do what they want to do. What does mm-hmm. he do? No, I'm going to supersede that. And so for people like Judy to say, and I can't even believe she's a lawyer. Like this shocks me because she's very judgmental against women. It seems like, but to me, to to say that conservative, you know, governors can you can just kick it back to them and they're you know and it's all going to be you know. Let me just wipe my hands here. No, that's not how it's going to be. And it's hard. I'm a Latina at that. You know, and back in the 70s, you didn't talk about sexual abuse. It was one in eight girls that were raped. And now it's one in two, three. Mm -hmm. And a lot, you know, and it hasn't gotten easier. People still don't talk enough about it. And it does, it is so connected to, you know, abortion. And my father should have gone to prison for all of what he did to me. But the issue is I did not get pregnant. Thank God. But, you know, if I had, I mean, my God. For, for, you know, someone to not allow me to make me force me to have my father's baby is disgusting. And I'm not I'm not for third and fourth trimester uh, abortions either. That sickens me also. I consider myself, weirdly enough, a conservative, a, a radical conservative liberal. And I was actually leaning towards more conservative, than, uh, you know, candidates right now because I'm not happy with Biden. Mm-hmm. But now because of this and the liars of uh, the Supreme Court justices, those five. I'm now gonna. I'm. I'm just not gonna support anybody conservative at okay. all. Anyway, thank you for listening. Okay.
1: Right. Thank. Thank you very much, uh, Coco. Let's go back to to another mm-hmm. issue, and that is uh, during the the hearings, uh, three justices, or Gorsuch and, and, and Kavanaugh and Barrett, mm-hmm. uh, they gave answers to the question, each implying that this was, you know, part of the, part of the, uh, whatever the i'm losing the term settled law settled law law. it was settled it was settled law but and even susan collins said that she thought that that's what they said when they met with her and as someone who watched a lot of the hearings uh is there something to be said judith that maybe these folks were fibbing or not telling the whole truth when they were answering a question before the uh, senate judiciary committee
3: I don't think they were not telling the truth. I think what they were saying um, is that there is this uh, precedent that goes back 50 years. um, And in that sense, it is settled law. However, the law is never settled. The law can change. And this is not law nobody nobody drafted a piece of legislation passed it through the Congress um, and said you know abortion is a constitutional right and the states can't interfere that didn't happen the court looked at a case the court made a decision and as Ruth Bader Ginsburg said okay uh, a justice with whom I myself don't agree with most of what she said even though I thought she was a great person a great woman leader uh, She even said the court got ahead of itself got ahead of the country on abortion and we haven't had a minutes peace since and it's true we haven't so it's not settled in terms of
1: acceptance of the law which is is what you need Coco in your opinion. Does this open the door to uh, discussions of same sex marriage uh, and interracial marriage? That's the question we do have to break here. You're gonna have three minutes to think of your answer. Yes, I wanna wait. We do, we do, but what, I just said we got we gotta sell some sell something first for three minutes and when we come back and it'll be the Coco Sudek show for at least two and a half minutes. Go ahead. Don't go away. Let's be honest.
5: The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show him you love him. Keep him safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad
0: Council. What if the music stopped? If the familiar voices were silenced? If there were no breaking news updates? What if your companion and connection to your community came with a monthly fee? don't worry, we're free local radio with you wherever you go, celebrating 100 years and looking forward to the next 100. We are broadcasters. Text RADIO to 52886 and let Congress know you depend on your local TV and radio stations. This message furnished by the National Association of Broadcasters.
9: 145 over
10: 92. 180 over 111. 182 over 100 and I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood
11: pressure numbers could change your life.
12: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
7: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
11: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
12: but I want to make it better. I'll uh, come back. Ask your doctor. Check your blood pressure.
11: Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical
7: Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce uh, back uh, with uh, Judith Sherwin and Coco Sudik. Uh, Coco, why ask the question, and then uh, you've got three minutes to think of your answer, and uh, you're up. We're going to let you uh, tackle, uh, tackle it first. Go ahead.
2: I think that so much of our politics is based on just lies and pretending that things are not the way they really are. And I think that this is another example of that, right? So we're going to pretend that we can just go back in time and ignore the last 50 years and continue that moment in 1973 when the states were working their way towards work, t- towards figuring out what to do about abortion. Those 50 years did occur. Millions and millions of women, 30 million abortions have occurred legally since Roe versus Wade. And now we're gonna pretend that we can just pluck that out and we're gonna create a new timeline as if women didn't already build their lives around these rights. We also pretend that fetuses are actual real people, but women aren't and that women can be forced to successfully bear unwanted children or resist their own sexual urges or male sex um, and not then procreate and that women aren't gonna really make these actual decisions about what to do with the fetus or the embryo inside of them. And instead they're gonna be perfect citizens or they're gonna be criminals. None of this is true. The fact is we've had 50 years of liberation for women. Women are not gonna go back. This is gonna rip the country apart. The, the attacking uh, the 14th Amendment right to privacy in this opinion signals that they're going to attack the right to my marriage and, um, and the right to contraception and all other rights to privacy. And this is going to be such a destabilizing, destructive mm. opinion where women will die, where unwanted children will be born, and we are going to have to pay for that, okay. and where all of the lines the political lines are going to get washed away and reconfigured, okay. and it's going Stand to be by.
1: chaos. Okay. That—that's your answer. Judith Sherwin has been standing by, taking copious notes. Go ahead, Judith. Thank you.
3: First of all, um, if, the, if you read the opinion, it is—it is—it discusses something called ordered liberty, and—and and, uh, I mean, I remember when the when the uh, gay marriage decision came down there was great hubbub there were a lot of people very upset a lot of exercised uh, arguments and as uh, if you if you look around uh, we don't have the same situation anymore with that abortion has been tearing this country apart in one way or another since 1973 it has it has determined most of our elections certainly on the presidential level it has determined a lot of elections on the local level and and it has been a source of tremendous unsettled law in this country
1: for a long time. It needs Isn't it gonna go for another forty years? I mean, I say, isn't it going to you know, if this comes down, aren't we gonna be well, in for another I think forty years because well, all the states are gonna be discussing it?
3: Well, Course, and by the way, it isn't a, just
1: the it, it isn't just the governor of a state. The governor can have some them, It's of the course. members of the legislature, right?
3: The the member, for instance, the members of the there are plenty of very strong Democrats in the in the Texas uh, legislature, which people should remember. They're the ones who left town uh, when there was an abortion bill um, in the works mm-hmm. and went to Washington and wouldn't come back. The governor had to threaten to arrest them to get them back. Mm-hmm. I mean, the legislatures make these decisions plenty of republicans who who um are very
1: pro-choice as well mm-hmm. okay i want to i want to take a uh, call right now let's go to dave listening to us in the great state of washington go ahead dave you're on the hey,
13: well i've been told by many people that i have like one of the best pro-life argument they've heard but if we have time to get some of that i'll give it to you but i, I want to touch on a couple of things that i heard uh, your guest coco bringing yep. up um 50 years of president and however many Abortions, whether it's 30 million or 300 million, is meaningless. Bad law is bad law. You correct bad law based on it being bad law. You don't correct it based on how long it's been in place. That oh, now we can't fix it. The other thing is, you have people out there saying this this leaker is a hero. Uh, or the leaker, you know, should be disbarred. I agree, they should be disbarred. But not just that. There, there should be. I hope they sign some kind of disclosure statement, a non-disclosure, to where you are fined and imprisoned for things like that. Because the reason that you that you can you have to, you know, punish people severely is if you don't, you just keep seeing ongoing events like pulling down statues, riots. You get this. You get the craziness around the Kavanaugh hearing. If you don't put severe punishments and make people have to pay, you know, a penalty like going to prison, (laughs) you're going to keep getting the same thing over and over. And the whole idea of no uterus, no opinion, people that say that, well, I guess they want Roe overturned for sure, because that opinion was given by all men, by the way. Uh, So that's another one of the ridiculous things, my body, my choice okay a lot of the people that say that in regards to roe wade they had the exact opposite opinion for both covid vaccines and masks now it's not your body your choice i mean i just like consistency and let's have some people that can stay one side of the issue and not flip flop all the time uh... and this whole thing boils down to when life begins that's it period that's all that matters and once once you determine that we say okay life either begins at this point or we're going to reasonably believe that this is the point it does all the discussion is over at that point. It doesn't matter how the, abor- how the pregnancy started. Once you decide it's life, you can't kill it, period.
1: But, Co- Alias, but Coco, uh, refresh us, if you will, because I think you, you touched on it a couple of segments ago. When, in your opinion, does life begin?
2: Well, I, I mean, I'm Jewish. I believe life begins when the head emerges. That's, no, no. That's what my religion, that's what my religion teaches me.
1: All right, we have so life all, begins. We have, at, we have another at,
2: essentially at birth. Have do another, I think there should I mean personally this, do I we, think there should be abortions at the end no but I think that argument is nonsense that's a very small percentage but I think life does not begin at conception and it certainly doesn't begin in the first trimester or the beginning of the second trimester okay. when it's a fetus and the fetus has
1: no okay. feeling and we no can't Okay so one can't second, we have another Jew, way, we, we have, have another we have person, Jewish then another Jewish opinion give what, the woman two what what fetus. Right, go ahead right and, Judith, and, and, thank you. I'm um, well. Judith I, is know, on. Coco, sh- standby. Go I ahead, Judith. Uh,
3: first of all, you're uh, Jewish uh, also. The, yeah, I'm Jewish also. I could pull rank here, but I won't. Um,
1: We're almost out of time. By but the, way.
3: the life does not begin when the head emerges. Why? Life, life begins. There, uh, on that a-
1: note, on that note, I have to say farewell to you, Coco Sudek. Thank you for joining us in our number one. Judith Sherwin, you're going to continue in our number two, and we're going to talk about the politics of it when we continue in our number two of Beyond the Beltway. I'm Bruce Dumont. Thanks for joining us tonight.
8: This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur her knowledge was limitless, and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed. Once, this woman put back together a teenage girl's broken heart, which had been shattered in a thousand pieces. Just by giving her a bear hug, she masqueraded as a regular person at work, but as a superhero at home. Everyone knows her as Gabriella. I still call her mom.
4: Your hero needs you now, and AARP is here to help. Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.
5: No word in English language is less convincing
4: than probably.
0: One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy. Or you, your best man, your worst man. You, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at do I have That's do I have
9: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's 7 members of my 21 person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or uh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org.
0: Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
1: Bruce Dumont back. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Thank you very much for joining us this evening, wherever you're listening. From coast to coast and border to border, we have, saw, we have, uh, I guess, we, we uh, survived our number one in a very... Sort of. a heated a heated discussion on our program. And uh, I expect that we'll have heat and light in the second hour. Not that we didn't have both in the first hour, but we welcome uh, Jeannie Ives with us. She joins us uh, from her home in Wheaton, Illinois. Uh, she is one of the leading conservative leaders politically in the state of Illinois. She uh, ran for Congress. Uh, she uh, ran in the Republican primary. And again, she is a frequent guest on this program. Uh, Jeannie, nice to have you with us and happy Mother's Day to you. Alicia Cisneros also joins us. She is making her first appearance. She joins us uh, from Alexandria of Virginia, where she uh, heads Cicero Strategies, which is one mm-hmm. of the uh, uh, bright young groups in uh, political consulting in the country. and She's won numerous awards, and uh, her job is to elect Democrats to Congress, and uh, that's just the opposite of uh, Jeannie Ives. So uh, I-, I wanted to discuss in this second hour. Try to narrow the discussion to the to the political aspect. We we heard in hour number one. I mean, the cultural impact and ramifications of this, uh, you know, we don't we haven't even begun to really realize. Uh, but I want to talk about the politics of it. Um, what what was it about the timing of this, uh, Alicia? I'm going to start with you. Uh, how unique was the timing of this? And does the does the timing help Republicans? or democrats rally the troops as most people have suggested
14: well thank you for having me um i think if there were one word to sum up the timing of this it would uh, be ideal and the use of it for democrats energized um you know there's no it's not lost on anyone that in, during the midterm and when we have a sort of a trifecta in government for the democrats that the enthusiasm of our voters is very low um and this has been uh, a reinvigorator an energizer mm-hmm. for not only the base but for some of the voters that we are hoping to win back to our side
1: genie i have same question to you what what what's unique about the timing of this and uh, is this good or bad for republicans at the midterm Uh, we're not getting your voice, hit hit the mute for us. Uh, we're, uh, we're, we're seeing your picture, but we're not hearing your voice. And I'll let uh, Fritz... Uh, I'll be the mute. Button. It sounded very good. You look very good. <laughs> for those on radio, you look very good. Uh, but uh, uh, Fritz, is uh, there's something you can... She has touched mute, and... You've sent her all the signals that you're going to send her. So let me go, let me go back to Alicia. Uh, Alicia, when you, uh, obviously, um, is is this a total win-win for the Democratic Party, or is there a significant number of moderate Democrats? Maybe they don't call themselves pro-life Democrats, but the issue of abortion is, is uneasy uh, with them. They're, they're uneasy about it. And if you play your card to the hilt, are you worried that you may turn off some moderate Democratic voters that might be needed in a general election campaign? Can you go too far?
14: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think yeah, you could probably always go too far, but you know, that's the point of creating the strategy behind it mm-hmm. that we want to it a win-win. I think yes. In the midterm, this is going to be a winning scenario for the Democratic Party. We have re-energized and engaged the base in a message, and you know, um, I think it's not lost on anyone that a constant criticism of the Democratic Party is that there is no unified uh, message point, and this mm-hmm. has been unified Democrats across the spectrum and in one singular message. Um, and our, you know, approach to turning out, mobilizing voters this uh, this election is usually not on 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 completely on swing voters, but on mm-hmm. um, you know turning out our base and maybe touching into uh, any you know low propensity voters and reminding them to vote down the ballot for local and municipal elections. But mm-hmm. this has given us an opportunity to really uh, swing home with those. Uh, There's the swing ho- the swing voters, and it unlocks the, suburb- the suburban areas for us, yeah. which, you know, uh, Judith, 21. Uh,
1: Judith Sherwin is uh, in, in studio with it, and uh, she's been involved in politics as well. Judith, you want to take a tackle of that, and then we'll go back and try Jeannie.
3: Yeah, I think that um, mm-hmm. um, while I, I'm sure this is going to energize certain segments of the Democratic base, as, as Bruce pointed out, there are Democrats who are not completely on board with abortion on demand anytime for any reason or because of inconvenience They if if the last 50 years is any example not only is this going to energize the Democratic base it's going to energize the Republican base as well alright not that they really needed much energizing but I think it's also going to
1: why are they energized well
3: the Republican base is energized over a variety of other issues yeah. And so you know they're they're definitely out there pushing uh, you know you have people running around the country registering Republican
1: voters and, and yeah but there's sure. a lot of pro-choice Republicans
3: there are a lot of pro-choice Republicans and and I think the point for Republicans many Republicans is going to be the Supreme Court didn't say we're going to outlaw abortion all they said in a, in a very uh, long, well, if this turns out to be the opinion, yeah. is 98 pages of an opinion that says we're not saying anything about whether this is illegal. What we're saying is there was no basis for the opinion, and we're saying that this is best left to
1: the states. All right. I want to go back and see if uh, Jeannie's uh, audio is corrected. Jeannie, are you there?
10: Uh, I am. Can you okay. hear me now? Yes,
1: we can hear you now. So yes. go ahead. Respond to any of the questions okay, I've terrific.
10: asked. I just want to... <laughs> I went old school here and just unplugged my fancy microphone and stuff, and we'll just go with the Zoom call here. Good. If that's all right. Sure. Uh, Yes. Okay, honestly, my opinion is like seriously, this, uh, if this had happened maybe September, October, it might do something to energize the Democrat base. But by the time the whole story is told about the opinion and the fact that it is just simply returned to the states, I think that you're going to have a diminishment in all this vitriol that's been coming out lately. I also think the Democrats look really bad on this, literally protesting outside of Supreme Court justices' homes. It just, Reinvigorates the whole George Floyd sort of um, BLM riots outside of, you know, destroying people's personal privacy, destroying people's personal places. I think it looks bad for the Democrats what they're doing here on an issue that when you look at a state to state decision on this abortion, that's where most people are okay with it. And so I think that, you know, had this come out maybe September, October, it may have been better timing for the Democrats. I think by the time this comes out to election, people will be reminded, reminded again when they go to the gas pump. Hey, I'm paying almost five bucks a gallon. Are you kidding me? And the Democrats are going to own this. They've they've completely lost their base. The 33% approval rating by Joe Biden is their base. They can't go higher than that. And so, um, I you know, this leak doesn't, honestly, in the end, will not benefit them. Do you
1: think that's the base? Do you think your base is at 33%, maybe a little bit more, Alicia?
14: Okay, can you hear me now? Yes, go ahead. Okay. Okay. Uh- <laughs> yeah um you know no i i i don't i, I so there is there is an apathy right but um i think this is a remover of that apathy and i think that you know when one of the key points here can be that elections matter we have a lot of tough primaries to go through so and by the time we do and october is coming very quickly um this will not be put soon forgotten And we sure as heck are not going to let them forget it. We've got a break. We've we've got a break.
1: We've got a break right now for some commercials. When we're back
9: with Bruce Dumont, don't go away. 145 over 92. 180 over 111.
10: 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest and then a stroke. Your blood
11: pressure numbers could change your life. A lot of people
12: don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
7: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
11: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
12: but I'm going to make it better. I'm Coming back, ask your doctor,
11: check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical Association, and the Ad Council.
7: It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the leukemia and lymphoma society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
5: No word in English language is less convincing than probably. Are you sure we should get matching tattoos on our first date?
8: Sure, um, we'll probably stay together.
5: Probably?
1: This past week, J.D. Vance, uh, as uh, we predicted last week on this program, uh, won the Ohio primary for the U.S. Senate, and uh, uh, the governor uh, was uh, renominated as well, so he looks like uh, he's going to be in for a tight race in the fall. But let me ask uh, a question again to to Jeannie as it relates to uh, Donald Trump, separating Donald Trump from the broader Republican Party and what's going to happen in the midterms because it looks like the issue of abortion may be used by the Democrats to rile up as many people and energize as many people as possible. Does this diminish the likelihood or the possibility that Donald Trump could be elected president in 2024? Because he will be receiving the credit or the accolades from the Right to Life movement for selecting the justices that turned uh, out this, uh, this this decision. And I'm wondering, uh, although most Democrats are pretty riled up with Donald Trump already, uh, does this just make it almost a burning inferno for him to try to wage a re-election campaign in 2024 because the, the other side will be so riled up? Jeannie?
10: Uh, Yeah, I don't think so. I think that a lot of people, this issue is not on their top priority list. It truly isn't. They are worried about crime. They are worried about inflation. In Illinois, we're worried about corruption uh, of the Democrat Party that has been running this place into the ground for decades. And I I think you also have to look at uh, certain states are going to treat the abortion issue differently. In Illinois, for example, they're expecting 20,000 to 30,000 more people to come in from out of state to have abortions in the state of Illinois because they enshrined abortion law already into state law. And so, um, you know, states like ours, that that issue is not going to rise to the top. But what is, is crime and inflation. And I think that's true in a lot of states that this is, you know, the left wants to make this like the, the issue that everybody talks about all the time. And why, I, I mean, I care about it. I'm I'm, I'm 100% pro-life. I'm, um, I sit on the Illinois Right to Life Action Board. Uh, so I am involved in this issue. Trust me, it is an important issue. But for most people, for a lot of people, they don't feel like this touches their lives directly. And when they okay. go to the gas pumps, it touches their lives directly. And that's what they're not gonna for- forget about. And the Democrats want them to forget about it it's just not going to
1: happen alicia back to you on on the trump question can can the can the anti-trump group that's out there can it be more amped up than it is right now when you mention his name in in a democratic circle
14: i know democrats are exhausted by trump uh that's not the issue but you know the gop seem to have this um Defense that we are going to change the subject and that's you know, what what our as my as a strategist I'm gonna not let happen. We're gonna continue to push the message of uh, What the outcome of this could mean and the impact on other people's lives and 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 let's step back for a second And look at the data here that how this has invigorated folks Um, the within a few hours and how this is impacting elections within a few hours after the leak happened Democrats raised more than $7 million. Those kind of things do impact elections. Money impacts elections. The ability to get your message out there in media, in mail, in advertising, help candidates continue to use this message to bring out the voters and mobilize and engage the audience, you, the base, and the swing voters that we need to win.
1: Are you involved in campaigns right now? The ones that your your firm is involved in. Are you involved in in uh, with any pro life Democrats or or, or yeah pro life Democrats? Do you yeah. represent them? Are they in your mix, Alicia?
14: Um, I have. I am uh, working for a few anti choice um, moderates. -hmm. Not necessarily across an all for an all-out ban, but there are some moderates in our party who are incumbents that you know do have a sort of anti-choice in certain instances, um, which I am helping.
1: By turning this back to the states, as this opinion alleges uh, to do, uh, isn't this just a, a tremendous growth opportunity for? For organizations like yours and strategy groups, because it's it it's a lifetime um, job, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, if we're going to spend the is ne- if is we this are, a if, lifetime if, job? If, if, no, if we are going to spend the next forty years discussing this issue on a statewide level, people that are in the campaigns <laughs> and election business like yourself, I mean this this could be a golden goose for you, it couldn't it? I mean, because you're going to be an expert. I hope we're not discussing
14: it. this for the next <laughs> forty years. I think we're going to have a lot many a lot more issues. We've been discussing um, it we we for the last fifty years. <laughs> so why process. would not we
3: discuss it for the next yeah. forty years?
14: Yeah. I'm sorry, I missed that.
3: I said we've been discussing it for the last fifty years. <laughs> okay.
4: Go yeah, ahead. No, go I'm ahead. sure we're
14: going to have a lot more uh, hot topics come up that are going to reengage and and keep motivating people to turn out. Um, you know, similar to what uh, Jenny says that this, there aren't the it's not the only issue we're not you know um, monolithic in the, the democratic party either for what people are going to care about and there are monolithic gonna... though
10: in your pro-abortion stances you fired you let go you got rid of the only pro-life democrat congressman from illinois dan lipinski last cycle and only because he was pro-life he was 100 with nancy pelosi on everything else but because he was pro-life your party couldn't take that and you let him go. So there's, you are monolithic on this issue. You are monolithic, there is no room for you. And honestly, that is that is actually interesting because uh, most, I mean, 72% of, of people, at least in Illinois, say parents have a right to know if their minor daughter is going to have an abortion and your party won't even call that person a daughter, but wants to call them just simply a child which is ridiculous. So you're, you know, you diffuse the idea that there's even women. So I don't even know why this is a big women's issue when you guys don't believe in women anymore. Um, and, and then I, on top of it, I mean, two thirds of the country, across the country, they think that abortion should be limited to the first trimester. I mean, even, even countries like France say the same thing that the Mississippi law says, which is that you, if you're going to have an abortion, you only have the first 15 weeks to make that decision. And so this is not out of the mainstream of, of most people. And so you guys have a real you're going to have a hard time because we are going to get stronger on the messaging and being a, and be able to explain to people now with this this current ruling exactly what's going on. State but are by you state.
1: going? To, but Jeannie, my question, quick question, a quick answer, please. No. Is this is this going to be something that is going to be a, a, a quiver in the in the re, Republican campaign book forever? I mean, if, if you if you win on this issue, and by winning, I mean the Supreme Court decision comes down and it goes back to the states, that's, that's the best many of you folks uh, had hoped for. If it goes that way, I mean, are we going to be hearing, uh, you know, pro-choice, right-to-life Republicans debating this in campaigns for the next 30 years? Are they, uh, is it still going to be a hot button issue for you? It is always
10: going to be an issue, a cultural issue. I think that it it is going to continue to be a cultural issue. But like I said, um, you you know, while we in the pro life era, we care very much about this issue. But a lot of the voters, the, 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 the vast majority of voters, they also look at a whole host of other issues. And so things that are on their mind right now, literally, are crime and inflation. Those are the top two things on the minds of people across the country.
1: Mm-hmm. Judith Sherwin's got a comment. Yeah,
3: I mean, I, I, I tend to agree with Jeannie I, on a number of levels. First of all, it's May, and and I think by the time we get to November, God only knows what's going to be going on in the world and how bad the price of gas is going to be and, and what all these other issues are that really are hot-button issues for, for people in the middle and for people... Even for Democrats, this is this is we, we have serious inflation problems. We have people getting murdered on the streets. Somebody got murdered in Chicago the other night for a cell phone. I mean, we we need to deal with these issues, and abortion but is not going to take okay, this but off the, the table.
1: This. Alicia, what, what, uh, on those issues, which I think you agree that with with what's been said, is those are important issues to a lot of voters, and the Democrats are trying to address those um, what's the best message you have for someone who's a congressional candidate running under your banner, uh, to speak about inflation? How do they get the attention of, uh, the voter or the, the high price of gasoline? Alicia? Um,
14: (laughs) yeah, I, I'm taking a second to think about that. Um, you know, I don't have the winning answer off the top of my head now as we're strategizing, but I would say that mm-hmm. at this moment in the primary elections, it's not something that we are talking about. We know we're bad, Dems are bad in policy. Our base is sick of us. The Biden administration has made even more people apathetic to what we have not been able to do and um, and bring back to them. The mood that is that everything is the Democrats' fault. And you know, bringing it back, To the conversation here, this is the message that we're going to be using to bring people out. And it is going to re, it's not only going to bring out our base and our swing voters, hopefully, but it's going to invigorate a new audience that maybe, you know, are a little bit more removed. Sure, they're paying at the gas pump and they get that. And they're, not voting and they're you know low propensity, not really paying mm-hmm. attention. It's a midterm year, but this issue got them energized. Maybe they're volunteering somewhere. Maybe there's a local organization that they're getting involved with. Perhaps there's somebody they know on the local school board or running for office at the local level, the legislative level, that they are now going to start paying attention to. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something else else here that um, you know um, Democrats are really concerned with. When I'm going to go back to what Jenny said about the Illinois candidate. Uh, when it hurts,
1: <laughs> stop. We do have to pause. You did hear the music. You know we got a break. One eight hundred seven two three eighty twenty nine. I'm Bruce Dumont. This is Beyond the Beltway. We will continue with our guests when we roll on from Elk Grove Village, Illinois.
9: Wait, did they just say 1 in 3 adults has pre-diabetes? That's thirty-three point three 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 percent of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the 1 in 3 could be me, my karaoke partner, Carol, or uh, my karaoke enemy, Jeff. I'm gonna take the risk test at
0: doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its Pre-Diabetes Awareness Partners.
9: 145 over 92.
10: 180 over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest, and then a stroke.
11: Your blood pressure numbers could change your life.
12: A lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke
7: my memory is shot when i woke up i couldn't speak
11: lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke if you've stopped your treatment plan restart it or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you start taking the right steps at manage it's a new life
12: but i'm gonna make it better I'm coming back to ask your doctor check your blood pressure
11: Brought to you by the American Heart Association,
7: American Medical Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive, but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society, Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
1: Bruce Dumont back, we continue with our guests, and we're gonna let each of them take a moment to briefly introduce themselves. And we're gonna start with the Jeannie Ives. Jeannie, for those listening around the country, tell everybody who you are.
10: Hi, I'm Jeannie Ives. I'm a West Point graduate, but more importantly today, I am a mother of five children. I live in Wheaton and I was a former state representative and I now run a policy advocacy
14: group called Breakthrough Ideas.
1: Okay, and uh, Alicia Cisneros making her first visit on our program. Alicia?
14: Hi, I'm Alicia Cisneros. I'm the owner and founder of Cisneros Strategies, we're the only 100% minority owned, all women led, direct mail, paid field, strategy firm in the country on the progressive side. Um, I am coming from Alexandria, Virginia, and I'm also the mother of two children. Greatest choice I was ever given.
1: Okay. And Judith Sherwin. Uh,
3: I'm Judith Sherwin. I'm an attorney in Chicago. Uh, I also teach at Loyola University Law School, where I teach constitutional law, ethics, and um, the thesis program for graduate students.
1: One of the other big races that's going to come up this year, uh, this month rather, is in uh, Texas. They they vote later in the month. And uh, longtime Democrat Henry Cuellar Mm -hmm. is being challenged uh, by a progressive Hispanic in that area. And Alicia, are you involved in that race at all? I cannot say. I'm sorry?
14: I cannot say.
1: You cannot say if you're involved. (laughs) So you might be involved. Okay, then I can't ask you a question about it, because if you are involved, then we'd have to throw your question out. Uh, anybody want to take a gamble on uh, that race? It's going to be a hotly contested race. And again, it would seem to me that this is uh, an issue where the, the abortion issue might have some impact. Gene, you want to tackle that one? It's across the aisle from you, but uh, I know there's some other big races out there on the Republican side that uh, are coming up this month.
10: Well, I think that the the progressives have a hard sell, quite frankly, and even especially Hispanic progressives in Texas, especially with the border crisis. So I don't you know, I don't know this race very well, to be quite honest, but just looking at the, the politics of it. Uh, you know, you've got uh, Hispanics now that are really coming out strong for Republicans, uh, whether it's a Republican mayor or Republican c- Congress people. So you just, I, I just don't see that that bodes well for progressives, especially in Texas, uh, where you've got a, a border insecurity run amok.
14: Alicia, I can speak to you, that as, 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 as well from, you know, the perspective of the voter base in the Rio Grande Valley in Texas that you are exactly right, Jeannie, that they are Hispanic, Latinos, a lot more moderate than um, maybe the progressive side or the liberal side of the Democratic Party. And so I think, and then also there being an incumbent who has been there many times, so they've already voted for uh, Congressman Cuellar more than once, that they're going to have that memory and um, know where that Mm -hmm. he is on those issues that they care Mm -hmm. about.
1: Is there, uh, when when you read the stories about the... uh, Uh, Hispanics may be going south on the Democratic Party and uh, African-American support may be a little bit softer than in previous uh, years. Um, Because you are a a Hispanic who works in the field of campaign elective politics, do you think those at the higher levels of the party and the structure of running campaigns in the House and Senate, do you think they're, they're cognizant of the fact that they may be losing uh, badly with hispanics and and black voters in the coming years do they see handwriting on the absolutely. wall they do see it
14: absolutely i i mean if anything was proof of that and jamie can speak to her own party but you know democrats who are supposedly the who help low income and minority voters and are there for people of color completely have left them out. And we are, you know, strategists like me who are trying to bring back um, minorities into our party and make that, uh, some, uh, that message that resonates with where we've all, you know, always aligned.
1: Why do you think they have left the party? I'm sure you've given it some thought.
14: <sighs> I mean, from my perspective, I think that there are have not been enough strategists, and this is something that I preach often, there have not been enough, enough strategists that are people of color that have the cultural competency and understand the people in the constituencies of the new minority majority electorate to talk to them mm-hmm. and un, help understand and resonate those messages that are coming down from the top federal level down to the local level and making um, things, you know, more hyperlocal than they need to be. They don't want trust. Biden, fine. What do they trust in the local level? What do they trust in the legislative elections? Who are they talking to and trusting in um, municipal elections? And how can we bring them and engage them there first?
1: Okay. Judith Sherwin, comment? So,
14: so yeah, I mean, there's there's been some
3: uh, articles recently that there's been a huge misreading, certainly, of the Hispanic community with respect to the border situation. And that you know, Hispanics are not running to let the entire South American population come up to the United States and take their positions and their jobs away. And, and um, mm-hmm. I, I think there's been a tremendous... The, the Democratic Party tends to take people and put them into groups. So now we're going to have the pro-abortion group. We're going to have the Hispanics group. We mm-hmm. have the black group. And we're only going to speak to those people on issues that we think... Are specifically important to them because we know we can divide them that way but a lot of these people have issues that go across the spectrum and and they have American issues right they have issues about I have to go to work today and I have to pay seven dollars a gallon of gasoline to get there I I need to buy baby formula and I can't buy it I need to get whatever I need in the supermarket the prices have gone up but again the question but, but my
1: question to alicia because that you stated the problem but but I want to go I want to go back to at, at what point in the last 10 years did uh, did the leaders of the Democratic Party begin to understand that by not talking about some of the specifics that Jeannie and and uh, Judy have been talking about that Hispanics were walking out the, the, the <laughs> back door of the party and then along comes Donald no, Trump. No, I think that's exactly it. A I don't think anybody it, was though.
14: paying attention. And yeah. maybe if they were go. paying attention, there weren't enough involvement from, cons- you know, consultants like myself okay. to keep that fire going with those, with you know, the, the um, Hispanic and Latino voters or the African-American voters and, mm-hmm. you know, the Puerto Rican voters mm-hmm. or Cuban voters in Florida, uh-huh. wherever it may be. And, you know, to your point as well, there it's not a monolith. When you were talking about Hispanics and Latinos, there is not a one message wins all. And right. it is not going to be immigration because they want to know why you said formula, milk, bread, eggs, wherever it is they may be, are going up. Those are hot button issues with everybody. And, you um, Again, it's about meeting voters where they're at.
1: Is immigration the hot button issue for Democrat, for Republicans at the moment, Jeannie, more so than immigration and and foreign policy related matters? That, that's, well, I think that's it depends on that, what
10: level you're running at. If you're, in, if you're running for a congressional seat, well, yeah. yes, I think that immigration is a valid uh, topic that you should talk about. Uh, but, uh, you know... Uh, take heart here a little bit republicans are screwing up in this respect as well we're treating to some degree uh voters monolithically whether based on their race and their background Mm. and and that's wrong too and uh so you know republicans here in the state have been told to only talk about crime corruption and the cost of living the three c's without wanting to dwell into any of the cultural issues and when i say cultural issues i mean you know, uh, transgender athletes taking over girls sports. I mean, the, the whole remote covid shutdown um, that happened in schools, all of these things that, that happen, these are issues that concern everybody across the board. I don't care if you're a, a black parent, Hispanic parent, why doesn't doesn't matter. What you saw happen with the lockdowns, the shutdowns, the school closures, remote learning, disaster after disaster, masking two-year-olds, these issues matter across the board, and a lot of people, uh, we cannot treat the voter as if they just... or or some identity group anymore and i don't care what side of the aisle you're on you cannot do that but there are core issues that matter to every voter and again those are those really are crime and and inflation but there are also these cultural issues about what happened in schools and hispanics you know what they want they want school choice
1: you think so alicia is school choice and education a, a hot button issue or an emerging issue within hispanic democrats
14: I think it really depends on where you are regionally. Uh, we are seeing it in some of our states that are Hispanics, but we are not seeing it as um, such a dividing um, message point in maybe some of the other states where we have a more um, Latino audience. So again, it's not you know it's not a, a, a one message-takes-all kind of approach. Explain
1: to the audience uh, that when you when poli- p- political people talk in monolithically about the Hispanic community, there are many Hispanic communities, and they don't all get along with one another.
3: Right. And they don't all agree on everything, no. either.
1: Well, that happens. Yeah, so... In a lot of Go ahead.
14: I am... Um... I'm a Hispanic Chicana woman. I, go, I identify as Latina. I was born and raised in New Mexico. I'm an 18th generation New Mexican. I did not grow up speaking Spanish. I am not bilingual. Most people in New Mexico do not identify with um, Mexican culture and do consider themselves Hispanic. There is a different way to message and approach these people, in, in this, the, you know, my people in this audience, than there would be in um, Florida. Florida are Latinos, but there are different demographics, different groups. They're Cuban, Puerto Rican, um, Salvadorian, wherever they come from. It's, it really matters the nation, nation that someone comes from and how you talk to them about their culture because and they're not fighting. It's that they're not being the message to with the competency to understand that just because they speak Spanish, they're not Mexican. they're you know m- many other nationalities that they could mm-hmm. be. And you can't consider somebody who lives in New York, uh, same Spanish that they are, are in Florida <laughs> or California.
1: We've got to parse back, back shortly. Involved, I'm Bruce Dumont. Yeah. Don't go away.
8: again here's that song again
2: for the hundredth time today here's that song again it's gonna be stuck in your head all day here's that song again it will make
7: you cray-cray
5: you love your kids enough to watch that TV show a bajillion times love them enough to make sure they're in the right car seat for their age and size show them you love them keep them safe Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council.
8: This is the story of a very special woman. In a matter of seconds, she turned herself into a great mathematician or an entrepreneur. Her knowledge was limitless and still is. She could also make monsters disappear, especially those that lurked in the shadows under the bed.
4: Find the care guides you need to help, complete with tips and resources at aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement
0: brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your fruitball buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners.
1: In the coming weeks, we're going to be looking at Pennsylvania. That's going to be the next big test, as well as the state of Georgia later in the month of May, insofar as uh, looking at the uh, the power of the Donald Trump endorsement. Obviously, uh, uh, his candidate, J.D. Vance, won the primary, but he only got, not only, he got 33% of the vote, which means 66% of Republicans in a very Republican state uh, voted for someone other than who Donald Trump, uh, um, you know, supported, and by the way, I, I think the the emergence of of Democrat uh, Tim Ryan, conservative Democrat, moderate Democrat Tim Ryan, as the Senate candidate in Ohio, is going to set up one of the hot, one of probably the hottest the US Senate race in the country because I don't think that's a foregone conclusion that that's a Republican senatorial seat following in the wake of Rob Portman because uh, Tim Ryan has been around a long time he's uh, been an attractive candidate campaigning around the state obviously uh, coming from the Mahoning County area but again that's uh, uh, that and Beck, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm going to make a prediction you know we we asked you know are we gonna be talking about this in 40 years uh, I don't know if we're gonna be talking about abortion in 40 years But I I would say that in the next maybe 15 years, depending on what happens in Ohio, whether the senator is Tim Ryan or the senator is J.D. Vance, I think you were looking at potential presidential candidates in those two men, you know, 15, 20 years down the road, maybe not quite as long, but uh, I think those are two big names on the on the Republican and the Democratic bench, and the the Democratic bench doesn't appear to be real strong right now. And I guess a question, Alicia, back to you is, um, it appeared based on at least the vigor of her comments. Uh, Vice President uh, had had a, had a this issue of, of of Roe v. Wade really exercised her and really you know got her going on all four burners the other day. Is she Mm -hmm. the best spokesman for the issue? As you're trying to rally Democrats around the United States, they will be looking to a national leader. I think rhetorically it isn't going to be Joe Biden. Even Joe Biden's political pedigree isn't as pure as some uh, on the left would love to have. Um, Does she become the best spokesman for the issue of abortion and, and, and the fear that it should create in the minds of the many as democrats are suggesting or is there anybody else out there
14: or is there anybody else i think yes i think she does become the you know she uh is the vice president of our nation she's the uh you know the highest elected or highest woman in office um on the democratic party side she is the person that we will be looking to and women in the democratic party will be looking to um, for leadership on this is issue. she the, um, my
1: political question to you though is, and again it's just it's just the five of us right now, the, poli- the political <laughs> operative in you, is she the best candidate that can rally people and get s- behind her for her position, not just because she's the vice president of the United States. is she the, is she the standard bearer on this issue? We're moving forward.
14: Um, look, the, taking it back to the, uh, uh, the majority electorate here, okay. when we're looking for leadership, and, and we are again going back to minorities who are going to vote and look for, you know, um, who whose messages resonate resonating the right. most with them. I think yes, then Kamala Harris <clears throat> is that person who is going to talk to voters. Where they're at, and meet them where they're at with the message that we need to win um, elections.
1: Jeannie Ives, would you second that? Wouldn't you like to see her as the primary spokesperson as well? Be great. Yeah,
10: more Kamala, <laughs> Kamala Harris. Roll her out Better. every single time you want right. to talk about an issue. That's that's fine with me. Right. I like that idea. I agree. Absolutely,
3: the best person for the job.
1: Well, who who who, who is going to be? Who is going to be the voice on the uh, Republican side? Do you want it to be Mitch McConnell, who was suggesting that there may be a, they may try to you know codify a a, a you know a pro life you know law at the federal level? Do you think that's a good idea, Jeannie, or do, do you do you stick by your plan as of the moment that playing this out on the states uh, is the best way to go?
10: that's where it's going to go. Right. I think that just like you have seen states adopt different economic policies, you saw states adopt different COVID mm-hmm. policies, you're going to have these, you know, small units of democracy decide on their own how they want to run their, themselves. And people are going to make choices by moving to places where they feel free and where they feel respected as individuals and where their, pay, their money is respected as well. Mm-hmm. And so you're going to have a cultural shift like I say, people aren't just leaving, uh, you know, states for tax, uh, you know, rates. They're going to be leaving over freedom issues as well, and that's, you've already seen that movement uh, under COVID. So that's going to continue. This is just one of those other things that's going to continue. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think what's what's interesting is that you're not going to get resolution on this, I don't think, in the U.S. Senate. And mm-hmm. you've yeah. got like radicals out there, like Senator Ed Markey, actually arguing now to expand the court. He says we must expand the court to protect it. Uh, yeah, that's that's wrong. So, so they're going in the opposite direction here. At the same time, you have uh, Senator Collins and Murkowski, both Republican senators, uh, is saying that they have their own bill to codify abortion rights uh, mm-hmm. if from a federal level. They just don't like the one that Klobuchar and um, Elizabeth Warren have signed on mm-hmm. to because, it doesn't allow for exceptions to Catholic hospitals on religious grounds. Well, that's that's you know that's a pretty divided um, yeah. federal yeah. Um, um, right. Uh, right. politicians. Right. Sure. You, mean, so you, you may want, want you may not want to make that the, the battlefield. Level.
1: Right. You, may, you may prefer the battlefield of fifty states. Absolutely. Your chances of of, of winning uh, may may be better uh judith you've got 10 seconds to make a comment yeah ten I, seconds. I
3: i do not see the senate passing a nationwide abortion um situation at all i mean the house might but i don't see the senate doing it you've already got three factions mm. we just talked about them it's never going to happen
1: judith sherwin Jeannie ives have been with us one quick question do the democrats win control of the senate the house neither or both alicia what's your prediction five seconds That's a no answer. (laughs) Alicia, thanks very much. Uh, Alicia Cisneros, she's with Cisneros Strategies, and she joins us from Alexandria, Virginia. Our thanks to Fritz Goldman. Happy Mother's Day to everybody. I'm Bruce Dumont. Good night from Elk Grove Village, Illinois. 145 over
9: 92. 180
10: over 111. 182 over 100. And I had a heart attack and a cardiac arrest. And then a stroke. Your blood
11: pressure numbers could change your life. A
12: lot of people don't understand, including myself, I didn't, now I do, uh, the impact of having a stroke.
7: My memory is shot. When I woke up, I couldn't speak.
11: Lowering your high blood pressure could save you from a heart attack or stroke. If you've stopped your treatment plan, restart it, or talk to your doctor about creating one that works better for you. Start taking the right steps at manageyourbp.org. It's a new life,
12: but I'm gonna make it better. I'm Coming back, to ask your doctor,
11: check your blood pressure. Brought to you by the American Heart Association, American Medical
7: Association, and the Ad Council. It's a bully, but we aren't afraid of a fight. It's elusive but our focus never fades. It's deadly, but we were born to defeat cancer. You may not have heard of us, but our work has helped millions impacted by cancer. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. We are leaders in advancing breakthroughs in immunotherapy, genomics, and personalized medicine. This research saves lives. After 65 years of fighting blood cancers, we've arrived at a game-changing belief. The cures for cancer are in our blood. The drugs and treatments we've developed for blood cancers have helped people affected by many different types of cancers. We are the Leukemia and Lymphoma Society. Beating cancer is in our blood. Learn more at LLS.org.
4: A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council.